What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode number 222 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Saturday, April 24th, 2021. My name is Josh Cannon. I am here with my co-host, Mike. You know what I'm about to ask. How you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Doing fine. Um, just been uh, a little swamped with paid requests for my YouTube channel, but uh, that's a first world problem I'm definitely okay with. And getting called <laughs> into work at random times, like when we yeah, were about to report that, the call. That, that sucked. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, we had every intention of recording this Thursday, but you know what they say, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Mike got called in, like right when we were about to like sit down and record. Yeah, so I yeah. Had to so get moved. Uh, gave him a serious case of blue balls. <laughs> yeah, because I was like, everything was plugged in and ready to go, and you're like, oh, got called in. Sorry, I'm starting to think the mic is Spider Man or something. <laughs> I wish. You know, when I was a kid, I uh, like a lot of other kids my age we all wished we were spider-man yeah i wanted to be an x-men of some sort i didn't even care which one i just wanted something special about me like to stand out you didn't care which one like so you don't care if you're like marrow who the power is that you throw bones that painfully grow out of your body i would have taken it (laughs) okay all right um jubilee and her uh uh, flashy uh, fireworks powers or a dazzler. I would have taken Jubilee. I would. I don't think I would have liked to have been rogue because she can't touch anybody. Yeah, without killing them, that would that would be like a really shitty exist. That that's like you're wearing a condom on you like twenty four seven a body condom. Yeah. Like you can't touch anybody unless you. Well, want if she to wears them. gloves, she can touch people. Well, yeah, but, you know, you constantly have that layer of thing between your flesh and someone else's flesh. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't really have a romantic relationship with anybody, but you could still have some sort of And being the man-whore that we all know that I am, that would be a big problem for me. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. For sure. But, yeah, um, I have another crazy uh, bar story. uh, Crazy bar story? Yeah, I don't have any crazy stories to really share uh, from work this time around because it's just been pretty boring. So every Monday I DJ at this place. I won't name the place because I'm about to talk a lot of shit about it. But if you did just a cursory level of research, you could figure out what my Monday gig is, I'm sure. And honestly, if you're that passionate about finding it out, then you deserve the answer, my friend. But I'm not saying anything that is untrue about this place. Um, I'm just getting fed up with their tolerance of not only like bikers, but like cocaine use in the bathroom. It is fucking rampant at that place. And that's the whole reason they draw the clientele that they do is because the people who go there know that this is the bar you go to if you want to drink, smoke cigarettes, and do coke and not be hassled by anyone. Because no one ever, there's no one ever cracks down on it there. And then you know, one of the bartenders was saying, you know, you, you can't walk in the bathroom and ask why the, you know people are in the stall. Like, 
and you can't tell them to leave. And it's like, okay, well then if that's, if that's the case, then why aren't people doing cocaine everywhere and every bathroom stall? Because there's kind of an understanding that, you, you know, you can't really do that shit at certain places. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's still people who like go and do coke in the bathroom, like by themselves at more, you know, bougie, like upper class mm-hmm. places. But this is like a straight dude, the, the excessiveness of it. It's literally like groups of four dudes will go into the one singular stall in the bathroom and then there'll be dudes waiting outside the stall and it's like they're all just doing wow. blow and it's like it's like <laughs> that's that's crazy that's the kind of thing you would expect from the 80s like i now yeah i know it's like it's like <laughs> that fucking party scene in american psycho where they go to that club and everyone's just in every stall doing coke and uh i mean i uh. i almost wish they made a separate coke doing room just you know if that's how prevalent the coke use is might be a good idea they can call it the powder room (laughs) (laughs) Um, but it just pisses me off because Uh. like there was like three separate fucking times i had to take a piss and i went into the men's bathroom and you got four biker dummies in the stall and then you got like two randos waiting outside and there's only two ur- there's two urinals and one shitter. So there's three commodes total. Now I'm not going to sit there with like seven men behind me, four of them bikers, pull out my my vulnerable dick and start peeing in a urinal. I'm just not going to do that. So every time I'd go I mean, every time I'd I, go in I there I guess I could see your point of view but uh, i don't know i i would just be like whip it out get it done real quick fuck it leave <laughs> i don't know i just don't feel comfortable my like my back's turned to them you know i just i don't know I didn't feel comfortable so i'd open the door i'd see there's a million people in there but jesus fucking christ will you guys hurry up so i can actually use this bathroom what it's intended for not instead of your fucking nose candy room so at the end of the night, um, there was this like lean but kind of small like black dude who kept um, getting into it with this bigger, like beefier black dude, and it looked like they were gonna start fighting or something. Like you could kind of read from their body language, like that's what was gonna happen. And then this guy and and this was at like 2 a.m around 2 a.m after i had closed karaoke and all that so there there wasn't even any music playing and they're like going on back and forth rah 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 and then this third much bigger black dude than the second guy walks up and he's associated with the gang up that one of the ga- biker gangs that goes up there and he literally just goes you talking shit about me? And that's all he says. And he fucking cold cocks the smallest guy right in the Damn. face. And the guy just KOs. He just falls backward oh, to the shit. ground. Just one wow. one punch and he was out. Wow. And then everyone, even the even the 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 the, the medium black dude who was like initially arguing with the smaller guy. Even he, like, flips out on the big biker dude, and he's like, what the fuck, bro, blah, 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 and, like, 
everyone starts grabbing the big biker guy. And this guy's probably like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, probably weighs like 300 pounds. So it's like, oh, big man, you punched out someone who was literally like four times smaller than you. Like, what a tough guy you are, you know? Yeah, but it just seems like you keep running into fights lately. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, ever since the pandemic's <laughs> been over, people have been getting way more intoxicated than they did before the pandemic. Because it's like... They're either depressed, maybe they lost a job, maybe they just, uh-huh. maybe they just, because they couldn't go out during the pandemic, maybe their tolerance for drugs and alcohol have gone down, and yeah. they, they don't know their limits, so they're getting drunker. But that seems to be what's going on, like, collectively around all these bars I'm going to. And so then, like, the security slash bouncer guy, um, quote-unquote, because he wasn't good at either of those things. Um, That was his, like, first night on the job, I believe. And so he's having to deal with that. And he's trying to kick everyone out. And he's, like, tending to the guy on the ground. He's like, hey, buddy, stay with me, man. Stay with me. Oh, well, he's trying to get the guy to, like, open his eyes, because he was not opening his eyes. And he's yelling at everyone, like, get the fuck out! Everyone get the fuck out! You know, because, like, all this shit's going down. And um, then the security guy stands up and he sees that everyone's like still there, basically ignoring his words. And he's like, everybody get the fuck out. And then he looks at this guy, Mike, who is a patron of the bar and is a super nice guy and, you know, not an, an issue at all. But the security guard just decides this Mike guy is the problem and he starts pushing Mike out of everyone, he singles Mike out. He starts pushing him, and he's like, Get the fuck out! And Mike's like, Get your fucking hands off me! And then the security guard gives him one huge push, and he slams him against the wall. He goes, What the fuck, motherfucker? And then they start getting into it. Oh and then the Mike God. guy, he goes, Oh, all right. And he, he grabs the cue ball off the pool table in his hand. He holds up. He goes, "If This is this is how you want to do it. Let's go, motherfucker. And he's got the cue, he's got the cue ball in his hand like a scene from like fucking Roadhouse or something yet again. And um and, and all these bikers have to hold him back. And so now you got one guy passed out on the ground and then Mike's about to fight the security guard. It was like fucking pandemonium in there. It sounds like the security guard should not be a security guard. Right. Well, that was kind of the general consensus at the end of the night. Uh, He did not obviously have the temperament for the job. Um, He completely escalated that situation when your job as a security guard is to de-escalate situations. And as a police officer as well, that is also your job is to de-escalate the situation. Not make it more heated, not make it more intense. Now, what I think happened is there was so much um, adrenaline in the security guard after having to deal with this dude who just got knocked out on the ground. And he was so kind of like shocked by everything. He just he lost it. I mean, that is not the mark of a good security guard. He Mike never laid hands. Mike never laid hands on that guy. The security guard was the first person to lay hands. And he, so he, I'm pretty sure they fired him. I know they definitely let him go that night. Um, and he probably won't be returning back. Then come to find out the security guard does the same recreational, uh, party powder that everyone else does. And they knew that about him when they hired him. 
and yet he was supposed to be in charge of kind of policing the bathrooms and you know the men's bathroom anyway and making sure that that shit wasn't because go- it goes down in the girls bathroom too like chicks going- he wouldn't police that because he does it himself so right well and again it's like what the fuck and you know the owner of that bar banned the bikers for like a couple weeks and then he let them come back with like a few conditions but like I'm like, what the fuck? It's like, do you, do you care about money or people's lives? Because, yes, when you have the bikers there, they spend a lot of money on drinks. But then they bring with them this kind of bullshit. And the bartender was like, oh, well, th- that guy wasn't uh, associated with that gang. Or, he, or, no, she said he wasn't in that gang. I'm like, yes, he's not in the gang, but he's associated with the gang. So their whole entourage comes in, and even though the gang themselves might not be doing anything, their associates do, and they bring in that crowd. And that place is not fucking safe. Nobody nobody feels yeah. like that safe there. And, and I know you don't want to do parties at your place because you don't really trust people doing all that over at your house so i mean that's a completely separate thing i'm talking about like this is my gig oh yeah where i I work like i run karaoke up there yeah Ooh. so it's like i don't know they need to do something because like i'm starting to really feel sketched out about that gig and after seeing that shit happen and just how people are up there, man. Like, like even when I was first setting up that night, this fucking guy kept hassling me about playing his fucking rap songs that night. He's like, yeah, man, I'm just, uh, I'm from, uh, I forget where he said he was from. He's like, I'm from Baton Rouge or something like that. And he's like, man, I've, op- I've opened up for this guy and that guy, and, you know, just give me a chance and this, that, and the other. And I'm like, I was trying to tell him, you know, hey, man, I'm just a karaoke DJ, and this is a shitty dive bar, I, I you know, I'm not really going to be able to do anything for your career. And he kept talking over me, though, because I think he was also coked up. And, like, I couldn't get a word in edgewise. And finally, I was just like, yeah, fine. I'll play your fucking song. Email it to me. I'll play it. And uh, I saw him there the whole rest of the night. Never sent me an email. As I knew he wouldn't. That's how those kind of people are. Uh, They they talk a lot of, uh, you know do this for me, do that, or let's, let's get together or blah, blah, blah. And it 90% of the time it doesn't happen. You know, it's just all talk. That's just how. What's even the point of the talk though? Like really? Like, I don't don't know. I have no idea. Cause I told, I told him, I said, you know, you would be better joining like a Facebook group that does local hip hop shows or something. And like do a, do a show that's, you know meant for that with an audience who yeah. wants to hear that like don't approach a random dj at an applebee's and have them rock your music because that's not going to do anything for your career no one in there is going to care like you know and precisely so, yeah. so anyway that that's my story of the week for shit <laughs> that happened to me <laughs> uh i didn't ha- i don't have anything like that wouldn't get in any fights <laughs> nothing Nothing like that whatsoever. I don't think there's even... There hasn't even been any... I mean, there's been arguments and people being disgruntled and yelling and doing all that other shit, but I don't think I've ever had an instance where there's been a fight. 
I work. <laughs> oh, and now uh, my uh, Tuesday gig. Um, apparently, there's going to be a protest at my Tuesday gig because um, there's a comedy show being booked that night, and one of the comedians that was originally going to perform was um, allegedly uh, a, a child abuser and all that. And okay. uh, like a wife a beater or whatever. Um, yeah. And when people on Facebook caught wind that this guy was going to be performing at the bar, everyone flipped their fucking shit. And, and it at first it turned into... We don't want this guy performing at this place because he's a bad person. And then throughout the echo chamber of how these threads usually go, it turned into fuck that place, too, and fuck the owner, who's my boss. Um, so I don't understand that thought process. Maybe he wasn't aware of his history. Well, the he's reason- not on social media all the goddamn time digging up dirt on people. The reason why I say allegedly is because the lady who booked him is like really tight with him. And she says that there is a completely different side to the story. And he is apparently not guilty of what he is being accused of. I mean, that very well might be the case. But people are so reactive nowadays. Yeah. For instance, look what happened with Stallone. There's this article... And this guy who was on uh, MSNBC saying that Stallone joined Trump's golf club and people should know about that and people should try to do something about it. And so it caused a bunch of people on Twitter to get all pissy and triggered and calling Stallone a white supremacist and a Trump supporter and all this other shit saying... Rocky say it ain't so, and oh, I'm not gonna support Stallone ever again. What a piece of shit! And then you find out later that he didn't even join the the golf club. He joined a completely different golf club in Florida because he bought a piece of property in Florida, and he was only at the Trump owned golf club, the Mar Lago. For a benefit to raise money for animal shelters. So here he was being a stand-up guy, like he's been known to be for the majority of his career, because he started off with nothing and took an unbelievable risk when it comes to his career to get where he is today. He's the living embodiment of an American dream in so many different ways. And All these people, just because they saw something on the internet and saw some guy say something on TV, turned their backs on him, decided to burn him at the stake without even knowing the full details of anything. And then Stallone has to come out on his social media and be like, I didn't do that. (laughs) What are you talking about? Like, I, I didn't, I didn't join that club. So. It's just, and now it's blowing up in their faces. And the thing is, they're not going to stop. Even though there has been this incident where they try to cancel Stallone and they look like complete fucking fools because the facts come out and it's not at all what they think or what they were assuming. 
they're just going to keep doing it because they're they are addicted to outrage. That's really what this is. It's a cult of outrage. Yeah, and then it gets to the point to where like there's just so many uh like there's so many like threads and comments of like everyone just agreeing with each other that you feel yeah. you feel like if you even attempt to like go in there and offer like a different point of view they're going to try to cancel you yeah they're going to cancel you they're going to burn you at the stake you know they they're, they're going to dog heretic po- yeah they're going <laughs> to dog pile on your ass and they're going to make you seem like you're a sympathizer and it's like yeah you know, i hate that i hate that where they do things like oh you're victim blaming or all this other shit all these fucking assumptions about what your opinion is on things just because you dare to posit the idea of the devil's advocate the idea that maybe this isn't accurate. Maybe we should wait a little bit. Maybe there is such a thing as innocent until proven guilty. These kind of instances. I don't know. All I know is that the guy dropped out because he saw how much pressure and how hot he was, you know, everything was becoming. So he dropped out and now they're still talking about they're still going to protest Tuesday Why? at my gig. He dropped out. Like, because, what because like I said, it turned into it turned it because then everyone started coming up with stories about how they were roofied there and how, um, you know, they were bringing up shit from 10 years ago. That has Well, n- if that did happen, that's not entirely like, isn't that more the fault of the person that roofied you and not the other way around? Well, I mean, I mean even so, these things happened 10 years ago, yeah. well before my, the current owner had uh, ownership of the place. Well, there you go. He didn't own the place at the time, so it's not his responsibility. Right. So it's just like they're literally just, I mean, there was an incident there that happened uh, uh, like six months ago, but the amount of... Uh, the the person who was making the accusations the amount that she has been discredited and just um the stuff from reliable people who are like friends with her and shit it just like it just sounded like complete like a complete snow job and it's just i don't know man yeah but i'm hoping no one actually comes out and these are all just a bunch of keyboard warriors like getting their teaspoon of drama for the afternoon and they're not actually gonna like do that because you know there are real people who work at this place who have jobs who need to make money and i am one of those people i don't need this club to be um canceled due to outrage culture and guilty until proven innocent so anyway that's that's all the drama that's going on in my life that's unfortunate Sorry, you have to deal with all that. Like that's got to be stressful for sure. It's not that stressful for me. I I feel bad for my boss and all the you know. He just wanted to open up a cool bar that is welcoming to everyone and have it be a fun a place that people have fun at you know and and have yeah. events and stuff and you know all, there's all these assholes that are trying to uh-huh. piss all over that. But. So despite the fact that we talked about uh, things that have nothing to do with unsolved mysteries. Um, this is an Unsolved Mysteries podcast, and uh, we have a couple more Unsolved Mysteries cases that Josh was able to dig up from uh, the vaults. Hey, you, you should call archives. me. You should call me the uh, Shovel Man because I'm all I'm digging. I'm digging them up. Yep. 
So one of the cases he dug up is the case of Laura Law. And this is another one that I swear we were going to cover at one point, but then we just forgot until recently. So I want to thank Josh for that because this has some uh, fun stuff. I mean, in terms of the reenactments and in terms of uh, the acting and uh, it's an intriguing case in terms of why certain decisions were, were made. Um, Laura Law and her boyfriend of 11 years, Mike Telusty, enjoyed having friends over at, at their home in Arkdale, Wisconsin. Denise Piccioni and her husband were often guests. Uh, Denise is interviewed quite often in this, and she's got that... Is it a Midwestern? What, what kind of accent is that? Like, oh, I thought they were really good people. I don't know. Is Was that... That's like a no. Mid, that's like a it Midwestern. wasn't like that. It was more. I think it was more of like a New Jersey thing or something. It was. It was closer. Hey, to I that. thought they were really good people. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But uh, she was uh, quite the character. I thought um, in terms of how open she was to talk about her former friends. Um. So, Denise and her husband were often guests. She was Mike's cousin and Laura's best friend. She believed that their relationship was happy and, and uh, there weren't any issues, like most of these uh, cases, where the friends are like, I didn't see anything wrong. So, however, on March 26 of 2001, Mike was angered when he found that, that Laura had gone to a casino with Denise and her mother. And in typical Unsub Mysteries fashion, the reenactment can't really have the guy go over the line in terms of swearing or, or anything of that sort for his angry rants. So it's very uh, tasteful, where more than likely there was, there was probably some You're harsh spending language. all of our fucking money, you dumb bitch! <laughs> and you know what? Uh, Mike has a point... <laughs> Yeah, like I, I would get pissed too. Like I would, I would, you know that that would be me. And we share the same first name, and that would be me in that scenario too. If that was my significant other or my girlfriend, and I found out that a large percentage of our money has been spent on gambling at the casino without my knowledge, yeah, there would be a lot of f bombs, a lot of shit that would be dropped. <laughs> That's for sure. And uh, I would I would break up with her at that moment or start the process for a divorce. Because you can't... When you deal with that kind of thing, there is, there's no reason to trust them anymore. You know? And a big part of a, of a relationship like that is trust. Right. And I mean, you I know, mean, I I would wish them the best. I would hope they would get some help for their addiction, but and I would keep tabs on them. But I don't want. I would at at the very least. It just it honestly would depend on how close we we were, and it might be one of those things where I just couldn't go through with uh, that extra stress. But on the other hand, maybe you could work some out at least if you go to rehab. You know, you go to addiction therapy. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, they say that, like, most marriages, like, they end over financial problems, so... I mean, if you're sitting there and you have a wife who's gambling, you know, all your money, that's definitely going to be, like, a huge... Deal breaker. Yeah, it's going to be, like, a big point of contention, I would imagine, you know? And and a, uh, a divorce maker, that's for sure. Deal breaker, <laughs> divorce maker. Yeah. Uh, so... He was angry, understandably so, that she she had been gambling. Uh, Laura claimed that he was depressed and that something was wrong with him. Okay, why why would you do that? He's just depressed, and there's something wrong with him. Yeah, the something wrong with him is that you're spending all of his fucking money on the casino. <laughs> that night, Mike mysteriously vanished. The only person who claimed to know what happened to him was Laura, but she would disappear too. After he vanished, she told his family that when they returned from the casino, he packed some clothes and took $73,000 in cash. He uh, then set out on foot from, from their home in the middle of the night. That sounds like complete bullshit. That entire story from her sounds like the epitome of something somebody would pull out of their ass. Doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you, you know, he, you, you, you got a vehicle in the garage. Uh, you're going to leave that and just go away on foot. I mean... With $73,000 in cash on you? Yeah, I mean... That... <laughs> yeah, that... That's a ridiculous story. I mean... When... when you're so- begging to get mugged. <laughs> $73,000 in cash on foot. Also, where are you going to go on foot? And it was in the middle of the night. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was just, that was like the worst. Uh, it's almost like that's something you would make up like on the spot. If someone asked you that and you didn't have a ready answer, it's like, oh, yeah. they left. Oh, well, what about their car? Oh, he just walked away <laughs> with $75,000. Yeah. Yeah. That's that, That's crazy. Yeah. I'm just as shocked as you are. Yeah. That's exactly what it sounds like. The only way it would be more incredulous is if she all of a sudden was like, uh, he, he just, uh, vanished. I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he was abducted by aliens. I don't know. <laughs> he could have been a ghost this whole time. He just and then he just decided to go back to his ghost heaven. Oh my god. And took uh $73,000 in cash to ghost heaven. It's the darndest <laughs> thing. Um so he disappeared apparently according to her. Uh <laughs> and uh Denise was understandably suspicious of Laura and believed that she was lying. Yeah. <laughs> Like any normal person yeah, would be. With a brain. However, she only thought that she was doing so because she was embarrassed of the truth. What, the truth that he left her? I guess maybe. Two weeks later, Laura told Denise that Mike had called her and said that he was out west. I don't... I, so now the story changes. Uh, he called her and now he's out west. However, four months later, passed uh, without any sign of him. Uh, since he and Laura ran their own business, 
Few noticed that he was missing. However, by the summer, Denise convinced Laura to talk with his parents. Strangely, Laura told Denise that she planned to lie to his mother, saying that he had gone to Canada. Denise tried to talk her out of it, but she lied anyway. Like, at this point, it's just ultra sus. <laughs> I mean, the story keeps changing right and left. He left in the middle of the night. He's going west. Now he's in Canada. And as a result, Denise became very suspicious of her. You should have already been very suspicious of her. At one point, Denise tried to get the snowmobiles that she had stored in Mike and Laura's shed. However, Laura seemed determined to keep anyone from going in it. Uh, that's another massive, giant, neon red flag. <laughs> yeah, the, I loved that uh, That whole, like... Uh sequence where you know yeah. they're trying to get into the shed and the she, actress you know, who plays uh laura yeah yeah and she, she's just like you know like i don't know why you're making such a big deal about this i mean this you know i don't have the key and uh you know and then finally she goes to get her snowmobiles and and she had already taken them out of the shed and put them on the you know in the uh -huh. yard and it's it's like well why don't you want me going in the shed there uh yep um, and, and, and like, did it, I don't think it mentioned about how, when, uh, they were going to, um, Mike's mom's or parents' house, um, uh -huh. the sister was like, you know, are you going to tell him, you know, what really happened? Or are you going to say that he went away to Canada? And she's like, I'm going to say he went away to Canada. And she's like, no, you need to tell his parents what really happened, you know? Or that that he just dis is disappeared and we haven't heard from him. And she's like, "All right, you're right." And then we, when they went got to the parents' house, she still lied and said he went to Canada. And that's when she truly got suspicious because it's like you you told me in the yeah. car you were going to do this, and then you like uh -huh. went went and changed your story and told the parents. I, I did mention that, but um, I it wasn't with as much detail. It's just the Laura telling Denise that she planned to lie to his mother. Oh. saying that he had gone to Canada. Gotcha. Um, so she wanted to get the snowmobiles. However, Laura seemed determined to keep anyone from going into the shed. Denise threatened to cut the lock off, get the snowmobiles, and have a locksmith place a new lock on the shed. And that's when Laura eventually removed the snowmobiles, but refused to let anyone go into the shed. When somebody refuses to let anyone to go into a shed, there's a body in the shed. <laughs> I think I think it's a pretty hard and fast rule that you can uh, apply. Uh, unless unless it's like stolen merchandise. Okay, it's either stolen merchandise or a body. It's going to be something illegal. Or drugs. It's something illegal. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. If it's a shed, yes. If it's if it's a, a drawer or a closet, we might be talking about like sex toys or yeah. like you know something like that. But if it's a shed, it's a body, or it is, uh, you know, some kind of uh, American bald eagle, perhaps a fabric meth lab, Fabergé egg, <laughs> a meth lab, a napalm. I don't know. Napalm. <laughs> Who the fuck? Hey, that's something the fuck that, is napalm. That's something I would have kept in my shed when I was a teenager. Is napalm? Yeah, because you were into lighting shit on fire. Oh yeah, um, I love playing with fire. Still do, really. <laughs> so anyway, um, 
she was still refusing people uh, entry to the shed. And Denise soon suspected that Mike's disappearance may have been related to the shed. So four months after Mike had vanished, his brother Mark filed a missing persons report. That's a long time, but I guess I guess that's understandable. You just think maybe he just left her and just but I mean four months without any contact. I mean I've had a month without contact with relatives, you know, without my dad letting me know. But like four months? No, I haven't had anything like that. Yeah. That was so stressful too. Like my dad not even contacted me for an entire month. And I was I was still like a junior high or high school and it was just nothing. Just dead side nothing. No word, no anything. It got so bad that I was getting calls from his relatives asking where he is and I'm like I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he is. <laughs> and then he just calls me on a payphone. It was like, oh, I was doing trading for the truck. It's like, couldn't you, like, do that earlier? Could you call me on the payphone earlier? I, yeah, I would like, hate that. What the fuck? That, that <laughs> happened before. Like, before cell phones were really super prevalent, like, I, my dad would, um, sometimes, he would, you know, no one would hear from him. And, like, I would always get the most stressed out. Probably from watching fucking shows like Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I automatically thought, like, the worst shit had happened. Because it's like, well... I've seen it a million times on the show. No one's heard from him in a few hours. He's supposed to be here, and he's not. He's dead somewhere, and I start freaking out. Yeah, that probably mess with your anxiety, for sure. Um, so they filed the missing persons report. The case was assigned to investigator Gary Silka, who went to Laura's house. She never let him in the shed, claiming that she was renting it out to someone. Yeah, sure. Sure. And even if you were renting it out to someone, it's a investigator. Like it, by virtue of not letting him in the shed, now you're a suspect. Well, I think she was trying to do the whole like, oh, well, it's not my shed to let you into because I'm renting it to someone else, so therefore they would need a warrant. Yeah, or you know, which they yeah, which, maybe. which they got. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, that okay. She, she was just buying like time. That. She was just buying yeah, time. It's exactly. She was just buying time because they still are are looking at her at, at, as a suspect at this point. And as soon as she does that, which is very suspicious, now they're like, okay, get, let's get the warrant. Yeah. So a few hours later, she fled the area. It would be several more months before investigators were able to get a search warrant for the shed. On January twenty second, two thousand two, the investigators entered the shed and they were hit. Just absolutely smacked in the face by a foul odor. A very familiar odor for investigators. They then found a body wrapped in blankets and plastic wrapping. It was identified as Mike's. He had been dead for nine to ten months. Can't even imagine the smell. Well, nine to ten months, I feel like the smell would have died down compared to like three well, maybe three to f- like five maybe months. not though it depends on how how the body was uh wrapped and all these other things um they said it was really bad like the investigators were interviewed and they were like it was like really really stank. awful stank like rotting flesh that's what it would that's what it would smell like 
Um, the cause of death was a single gunshot wound to the back of his head. Several years prior to his murder, Laura had purchased a 9mm handgun. It was believed that it was used to kill him. The police believed she had a gambling problem and that he was planning to leave her. Yeah. She did have a gambling problem. And he was understandably planning to leave her. He probably gave her some leeway. He, he, this is probably not a new thing. Like most relationships. Like maybe you would, okay, you got an issue, but we're going to try to work it out. But then it just keeps happening. And then she says she's going to do better. She says she's going to not gamble as much. And it still happens. And then eventually it's just too much. And then you're like, no, fuck this. I don't need this. Especially when it comes to like most of my income, most of what I make and I'm losing all this money. Like I don't love you that much. (laughs) You clearly don't love me that much either. You just love my money. I guess gambling must really be a disease if you're willing to uh, shoot someone in the back of the head to gambling is serious it's a serious addiction. It's every bit as addicting for people as alcohol or drugs. And it's yeah. just as damaging to relationships. And and also, I mean, think about the money. I mean, a lot of instances, it might be even more expensive than a drug or alcohol habit. My dad used to get those scratch-off tickets at the gas station. Yeah. And, um... I mean, even that was like, that became a point of contention, you know, with my mom and my dad, because she was like really pissed off that he was like wasting their money, like buying those fucking. Well, like how much would he do it though? He would do it a lot and he would like, he, okay, you know, he yeah. lost, he lost like a good bit of money. Um, yeah. My grandparents used to play the lottery pretty religiously, and I always said, like, if you guys win the lottery, you're just going to win back all the money you spent on lottery tickets. <laughs> my my uh, my my parents are actually they're they're doing lottery tickets, and you know, there's like a one in whatever million billion trillion chance, you know. I wouldn't want to just um, win all that money out of nowhere. Like, I want to like earn like my my wealth i don't want I'll anything i'll take it i mean fuck it i will i will i would take that in our that's so much cause... money though like people don't even know how to like man like if you're not used I don't to want, i mean fuck it i i mean i'm not used to it but the kind of things that are my vices they're not that expensive uh, and i i know i i would be able to control things pretty well i know pretty much everybody in my family or my extended family so there wouldn't be any random people that I don't know. Um, I would put things probably, I put a good amount in like savings or, you know, hire somebody to get some advice in terms of uh, uh, what to, I mean, I probably wouldn't do real estate just yet, do my research on that. But, you know, at least, you know, put stuff into savings or bonds and, you know, get enough that you can get a place and sustain yourself and just not have to worry about anything like that that's i mean i wouldn't be buying yachts and fucking cocaine and hookers and all this other shit like all these other horror stories of lottery winners a big problem with it too is just everybody knows that you have that kind of money and then you got people yeah. like you have people like me definitely hitting you up like hey mike <laughs> let me hold a million bucks man come on <laughs> 
I might help you out a little bit, maybe pay off your house, but you know, shit, I'd take it. <laughs> so, um, thankfully, this uh, bitch Laura Law, uh, the law caught up with her because she was captured. She was actually captured shortly after Unsolved Mysteries finished filming the segment. She was uh, captured in Nashville. Based on information received from a tip, FBI investigators began questioning motel employees in the downtown area. She was identified by an employee of a motel as their late shift desk clerk. When she arrived at work on July 16, 2002, she was arrested. Maintaining her innocence, Laura tried to get her lawyer, Sheila Kessler, to change the venue because of pre-trial publicity but the judge rejected that notion. Kessler then changed Laura's plea on the charge of hiding a corpse to innocent by reason of mental defect. Yeah, sure. While she retained the innocent plea to charge of first-degree intentional homicide. She allegedly told a friend that Mike had tried to commit suicide. She said that they struggled, had struggled over the gun and that he was accidentally shot. Bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Don't in the, in, buy it. In the back of the head? Accidentally yeah. shot in the back of the head? Okay. Yeah, that's about as believable as him getting up in the middle of the night with $73,000 and just leaving. Yeah, right. In April 2003, she pleaded guilty to first-degree reckless homicide in Mike's murder and was sentenced to 24 years in prison. She will not be eligible for parole until 2026. Damn, it's coming up. Yeah. You look at her mugshot, she looks like... She looks a lot like one of my my grandmothers or like an aunt. She's got that kind of, you know, that haircut. Uh-huh. That short haircut. Definitely doesn't look, look like someone who would, uh, you know, shoot their husband in the back of the head. No, but if you look at her mugshot, she looks guilty as hell. <laughs> That's like the face of regret. The face of, you know... Well, I gotta say, the uh, prison lights in there don't don't do you any favors. It's just these kind of fluorescent no. overhead lights that just no. cast the worst shadows in your face. Yeah. Um, my mugshot turned out pretty good because I was only 22 years old and I still had collagen. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't have much else to say about this case, except <clears throat> I'm glad that she got caught. I don't know why she was only sentenced to 24 years. should have been life. Yeah, I guarantee you this case was covered on that show Snapped on um, ID. It was solely about women serial killers. I loved that show. It was really cool to see, like, you know... I think I have a DVD set of, like, a few episodes. It was cool to see how, like, women serial killers or killers in general, how they uh, function different than male killers. Because they do have different styles, for sure, like... It's not. I mean, she wasn't a serial killer, but she was definitely a killer. Yeah. I don't buy this. It was an accident, or well, obviously nobody shit. else bought it either. <laughs> All right, moving on to a uh, goofy ass segment that um, <laughs> this is this is one of those unexplained segments where they're scraping the bottom of the barrel for unexplained cases to discuss on the show. I mean. You know, it's called Child Prodigies, and it's talking about, you know, the the um, phenomenon 
wow, that was a hard word for me to get out. The phenomenon of um, kids who are seemingly born like with these abilities that are way beyond the level that they should be at, you know, or they they're able to like say pick up an instrument or you know scholastically just go you know way ahead i mean on some level it is fascinating in terms of how does this happen but there's not enough information or knowledge to really provide a, a a real reason concrete reason as to how or why so a lot of it's just random weird theories that a lot of people might have and or in this instance they don't really have much to go off of except look how incredulous and amazing this is you know uh that they are so skilled at such a young age and how long there have been child prodigies because mozart was was a child prodigy yeah they um one of the theories that was kind of pushed forward in the segment was that um, since, you know, science hasn't really, you know, studied child prodigies, so there's not a huge, you know, breakdown on why, you know, because I, I, I think it's a genetic thing. It's it's something that's not obviously hurting them. It's not uh, no. an ill on society. It's not a medical ill. So Although I do wonder about the psychological effect of being a prodigy has on people who were born that gifted because when you grow up like you don't have the normal childhood the normal life you know because you, you, you're already done like you, you you're you know like dude you got kids who are not even teenagers and they've already done all their school right yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they have. You they, would feel like you would feel like you're different. It, it would be one of those things where you'd feel like you're a mutant from the X Men or something because everything is just comes so easily to you, and or, or or there's some things that come difficult to you, and then you'd be wondering why that's the case because everything has been so easy in some areas of your life. You'd be like, why? Am I struggling so much with this? I guarantee you, socially, these kids are like don't have the easiest time making friends. Yeah, because you know they they probably have to befriend people who are like ten or twenty years older than them just to even. There wouldn't be as much for them to relate to right. in some ways because because of how different they are in terms of their development. It's like oh, I just got done taking my nuclear physics exam and then. Her fellow classmates, like, I just farted and picked a booger out of my nose. Want to see? You know, it's kind of like. Yeah. So anyway, the first case that they talk about is this uh, young uh, girl named Jessica Constant. Um, 14-year-old Jessica Constant may seem like a typical teenager, but she's actually a college student who plans to attend medical school. She wants to become a nurse and a doctor, but her interests are not only... um, an academic. She's also an accomplished cellist and musical prodigy who attends the Juilliard School of Music. At this point, I'm just like, well, good for fucking you, as I'm sitting here, <laughs> 32 years old, just, you know, not doing any of that stuff. 
She plays with her yeah. two older brothers in the Constant Trio, who have performed at the Kennedy Center in Washington D.C. And they actually show a clip of them playing, and they're fucking, they're fucking amazing. They're tearing it up, yeah. playing that classical yeah. thing. It's like two violins, and she's playing cello, and it sounds great. And they're like fucking kids or late, teen- yeah. you know, early to late teenagers, preteens. Yeah. Um. No, I mean, technically be a teenager. She's 14 and her brothers are older. Yeah. Um, so to yeah. this day, nobody knows whether child prodigies are caused by genetics, evolution, culture, history, or a combination of those things. And it remains a mystery. Uh, child development professor David Henry Feldman believes that prodigies are a result of timing and talent in the right circumstances, which is very vague. Uh, yeah, it's a very it's vague, an incredibly vague statement. I mean... You know, it's like, hey, you're... It's one of those vague statements where they have a professor say it in a way that makes it sound smart. Yeah. But then when you think about it, you're like, wait, that's really not much of anything. Really kind of a (laughs) highfalutin way of saying shit happens, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, but David Henry Feldman believes that uh, shit happens, and that's why you get child prodigies. <laughs> um, and the results, this is unsolved. As of May 2020, um, actually, Jessica Constant is an adult-slash-geriatric nurse practitioner at Middletown Medical in New good York. Good for her. Nurse practitioner? Shit, I figured by now she'd be a fucking doctor. Maybe it just didn't work out for her. You know what happened? She probably discovered the the marijuana when she got older. No, and no. it slowed down a lot of her, uh, you know, prodigy kind of stuff. Uh, it's like, yeah, man, I'll get to studying that shit later, man. I'm fucking trying to watch Event Horizon and eat Cheetos, man. <laughs> <clears throat> Up next, we have the case of um, Albert. It's not the case of, but we're profiling another little. Little, little goody two shoes over here, Albert Wong, who was the whole reason for me wanting to do this in the in the first place. Because this kid is just pure nuttiness. He's a he's such a fucking little doofus. I'm sorry. I know he's just a kid and all, but man, he's. Oof. You want to talk about socially awkward? Yeah, yeah. This he definitely fits the bill. This kid's a goober. So, 12-year-old Albert Wong is an accomplished violinist and pianist. And boy, is he a fucking uh, a, a established uh, pianist. This, this motherfucker is shredding on the goddamn piano. And he's with his little pudgy 12-year-old fingers. And I'm like, dude, I know grown men. I know a, a, a accomplished pianist who's like in his mid-40s who can't even play that good. Like, good God, this kid's amazing. And, and that's another thing. Why is it always like the violin or the piano are the instruments for smart people? Like, why can't a child prodigy ever like be like slapping the bass or like tearing it up on a drum set or something? It's like it's like I mean, there 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 might be some out there. It's like the 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 de facto go to child prodigy instrument is a violin or a piano. Like if you're if you really want to be called a child prodigy, you have to like either one of the. I mean, I would love to be great at piano. Um, violin would be okay, but I've always wanted to be. Great I at used piano. to play piano. Um, now you I just play the skin in, flute. <laughs> yeah, uh, I haven't. I haven't played it in forever, but um, it does have a special place in my heart because it's a, a big uh, opportunity. Uh, for myself 
when I was young to showcase how far I, I was coming in terms of my development and, and in terms of people being willing to help me. And then on top of that, me through their help, finding a way to make all of that justified because I had a music teacher in junior high or elementary school. I forgot exactly which one it was, but they had said to me personally that you will never be able to play piano with both hands because when I was born, I had issues with my motor skills. I had issues with my fingers and my hands. I even had to go to physical therapy to like just learn how to work with my hands properly. And so as a result, it was like, that'll never happen because of my Asperger's and my place on the autism spectrum or the autistic spectrum. And uh, my grandmother refused to believe that was the case. She had a friend of hers who was a piano teacher and asked her to take me on as a student. And she worked with me. And as a result, I did. I did it. I played piano with both hands and I even uh, sang at the same time. So it was it, it was definitely a, a real shining moment in my life at that point. One of the few bright spots that I could think of at that time. Because I was still so far behind on other things. I don't know why doctors got to say shit like that. Like, you'll never be able to do this. It was a teacher. It wasn't a doctor. Oh. Which arguably is even worse. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know why they got to say that kind of stuff. Like, you're never going to do this. You're never going to do that. It's like, fuck. Guy, I th- the more I think about it, the guy was kind of an asshole. So it sort of makes sense. It sort of makes sense. Some teachers were. They're just they're mean. <laughs> they, they they don't really have the same passion for their job as other teachers do. It's just a paycheck. Well, it's not a good paycheck. <laughs> no, but it's better than nothing. Still better than minimum wage, more than likely. Yeah, I hear. Te- I have this one teacher on my uh, Facebook page, and she's always complaining about how like little she makes. Where, um, so anyway, this kid Albert Wong or whatever, um, he uh, he teaches himself on a wide variety of subjects from college textbooks. He first discovered his talents when he was three years old. By age five, he won a competition for piano players up to age eighteen, and they show. a a clip of that that's insane and he was five dude and he was still like i mean just playing just way beyond uh any five-year-old should be able to play i mean even to have the 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 motor skills in your fingers at five years old yeah it's like i just don't understand how that's fucking possible you know like you were so you're not even close to like being fully developed you know like so anyway, one day albert's parents took him to a piano store to look for a new piano and while playing on one of them a uh, director of music overheard him. He told the Wongs that Albert was very talented and found him a teacher. Eventually, he would be taught piano by the pro- prodigy of Earl Wilde. During a performance for his 85th birthday, 10-year-old Albert was invited onto stage. He then performed a piece on stage and brought down the house, and it was impromptu because he didn't know he was even going to be playing piano 
that night, and the teacher just gave him some classical, you know, such and such in E flat, and he just got on the piano and shredded it. Later that year, he released his first piano CD, and it was um, critically acclaimed, especially given his age. Um, to this day, nobody knows whether child prodigies are caused by genetics. Blah blah. blah. I already said that. And um, I actually looked this kid up to see if I could find any of his music on YouTube. And there is an Albert Wong on YouTube who uh, is Asian and looks about the age that this kid would be now. And he is playing something on piano. And everyone in the comment section is like saying the same shit at me as me. It's like, is this the Albert Wong from Unsolved Mysteries? <laughs> um but like yeah, so there's a part in, in, on the segment that um, made me want to do this video because they're interviewing the kid, and like I said, man, he's a goofy ass little kid. Whenever he talks, he just talks with so much enthusiasm, and he talks kind of funny because I guess English must be a second language or something. Um, I mean, he is of some kind of Asian descent. And both of his parents seem like they're first generation, so I'm sure, you know, English is a second language. But anyway, he's like, I love to study. I love to read books. I love studying Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Every time I study it, I uncover new literary elements that are very tasty. Delicious! (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, you little doofus! Like, I mean, you know, on on one hand, I, I... I honestly admire and appreciate his energy and his enthusiasm. You know, it's clearly something that he's passionate about and he loves. On the other hand, it is a little embarrassing. Yes. But then again, he's a kid, so he doesn't really know. Maybe he doesn't really know what embarrassing is or isn't. You see, Mike, that's the benefit of bullying. It teaches kids what is and is not acceptable in our society. I, I don't know about that. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I am only kidding. Um, no, bullying's never a good thing. Shouldn't happen. But you do need to have some good friends that are like, hey, man, you should probably can the saying everything is tasty and delicious unless it's food because uh, it's kind of corny and... Um, I'm just gonna be honest, man. You're never gonna get laid if you keep talking that way. Nowadays, nowadays he would he would get memed for that for sure. I, I think that's the new way of bullying someone because it's like, oh, it's just we're just it's it's funny. We're making a joke out of it, but like it's kind of one of those things where it's like everyone's just kind of laughing at you. Yeah, I had firsthand experience with that in a group I'm no longer a part of. So I yeah, remember I, that. Yes, yeah. I remember that. So I know exactly what you're talking about. But yeah, it does. Yeah, that's the evolution of bullying. It's is the social media yeah. memeing people. Yeah, because it's like that. It, it's it's still in that kind of um societal gray area where society hasn't decided that that's bullying yet. So like it's kind of just flying under the radar. Kind of like how everyone used I think there are different levels though. There's different levels and there's different approaches. Because sometimes, you know, there's memes and it's actually harmless and good fun. But then there's other ones where it takes things a little too far and it's about finding that line. And there are other instances where they're trying to be like, oh, it's just a joke, bro, or just a prank or whatever. And it's just as the intent is too harmful or, or it's just. It's just being a dick so that, you know, there's a difference between the two. And for instance, when YouTube was first starting 
to have content based around these memes or these commentary channels, you know, like Leafy is here and all of that. Leafy would hide behind the fact that he's just joking around and it's satire. But really, he's just being an internet bully. Right. Um, I think if you, I think if you make memes and it's based on like a celebrity um, th- that everyone knows, it's fine. But when you start like kind of do- doing it of people you know, it, it again, it depends on if they're in on the joke. Or, I don't depends know. Depends on the context. Yeah, it depends on the context. Um. Anyway. Uh, the last kid we'll talk about is, um, his name's Philip Polly, and, and this was actually a separate segment, but I mean, it totally fits in line <laughs> with the child prodigy thing. Yeah. And, um, this is what like... What do you remember about this segment? I remember this kid being, like, just as insufferable as, like, uh, someone who thinks that they're smarter than everyone who is an adult oh, would be. Oh, God. Like... You know, like I could see this kid at eight years old being, um, actually, blah blah blah. You know, and and kind of like boy explaining to me. Um, no. So, <laughs> eight year old Philip Polly is an alleged boy genius and prodigy uh, with high IQ who is taking college level courses. This segment investigates the mind of a genius and how rare it is to have a mind like his. From a young age, Philip's family knew that he was uh, special intellectually. At six months, he began to talk, which is fucking insane. Yeah. At around the same time, he was able to remove the bolts from his crib. At nine months, he displayed a highly wow. He displayed a highly mature uh, emotional sensibility in an. Ex- I mean, a highly mature, a highly immature emotional. <laughs> I thought I said he displayed a highly mature emotional sensibility. In an experiment, he refused to spank a doll when told to do so. At 18 months, he began to read. At age three, he began to play the violin. He also started studying astronomy. By the age of four, he started going to the Denver Museum of Natural History. He even noticed a mistake on a painting there. He also noticed that a certain dinosaur skeleton was missing a few of its bones. More recently, Philip uh, has started working with an archaeological dig. So it sounds like the kid was a buzzkill. (laughs) <laughs> well like i said on. he was going to the museum yeah. uh, walking up to the mu- museum curator and going actually that is a spanish conquistador helmet and it should be a whatever the fuck helmet a french helmet or something like that or just the whole thing where he's like um your dinosaur uh is missing bones like okay kid <laughs> okay kid go play in traffic now um <laughs> Oh god. So uh Oh no. He started doing his um archaeological dig with a team of people. Due to his many interests, he has had difficulty choosing what career he wants to have in his adult. Currently his mother teaches him at home because gifted classes are unable to keep up with his learning. Philip's family and others wonder where his intellect came from. Some suggested he gained his knowledge in a past life. Uh, others believe that certain evolutionary oh, yeah, characters have reincarnation. Played a role. That's one of the things I was going to mention. Like somebody probably has a theory that it's reincarnation. Yeah, and there we go. <laughs> so uh, at the age of eleven, Philip completed a three-year internship at the Denver Museum of Natural History. At the age of nineteen, he became the youngest person to ever attend the Federal Law Enforcement Training Academy. 
He has studied uh, theology and philosophy at Oxford University. He holds a master's degree in social policy and philosophy from George Washington University and a bachelor's degree from the University of Denver. Currently, he is the policy and practices director of RespectAbility, a nonprofit organization fighting stigmas and advancing opportunities for and with people with disabilities. Hey, good for him. Yeah, good for him. But yeah, but yeah, I mean, I honestly would not be surprised if it was more difficult to raise him than people might think, you know, from a parent perspective, because imagine like how much of a blow to your ego that would be that your kid is like better than you at like everything <laughs> in terms of like academics and all this other stuff. Yeah. What can you what do you really teach your kid? I mean, my tinge of uh, annoyance here probably comes from the fact that I'm jealous of these little shits. That uh, they're so much, uh, they're so much higher, higherly, they're so much highly <laughs> advanced than me, and they speak gooder than I do. <laughs> Whatever. They have so much more immature stability. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, kids, I can tell you this. Stay away from alcohol, because this is what it will fucking turn your brain into. <laughs> a goddamn mush. But you know what? You'll actually be fun at parties instead of a buzzkill. And you might even get laid. And isn't that what it's all about? I sure thought so 15 years ago when I was a teenager, which we're about to get to right now. And the perks of being a Josh Flower. How's that for segues, Mike? Great. Did it make you proud? You're getting better. <laughs> well, I'll never be you, but, you know, I can always aspire. So, I don't know what Zang is doing here. Uh, the dates seem to be crisscrossing. Um, they straighten up a- after a little bit. So, they're jumping around? They're kind of jumping around a little bit, but it uh, doesn't really <laughs> matter. I pretty much say the same shit in all my uh, old journal entries anyway. Um, but I will preface... Um, these are my diaries I found that I wrote in when I was a teenager... And um, I uncovered them a few months ago, and you guys have been enjoying um, my humiliation and my embarrassment. So um, we're going to just continue on with that. And we're picking up uh, Sunday, February 25th, 2007. I can tell you right now, I'm probably going to be complaining because I have always hated Sundays. Uh, uh-huh. it, was, it was it was either the day before work or the day before school, and it was just like, you know, you were technically off, but you had work the next day, and it was such a cock tease. But anyway, um, Sunday, February 25th, 2007. So Friday, I'm trying out for this band. They are called Centenic. They sound kind of radio rock, but they are big, so I don't care. I hope to God I get in this band. Seriously, I've been praying about it a lot. If you I- didn't get in the band. I did, actually, Mike. Oh, wow. Surprise. It, this this was my first real, official, legit band I ever got into. If I get in, that would be so awesome, but I'm not going to talk about that just yet. I don't want to count my eggs before they hatch, if you will. If you won't, that's fine, too. On another note, um, I went over to Ashley Main's house today, and we ended up making out. And as, as soon as I came over, uh, she acted like she wanted my cock. So we ended up <laughs> making out. And uh, Let's just imagine this book. Do you want my cock? 
So, uh, so uh, I guess all we ended up doing was making out, apparently. Um, and when I left, I wiped my face off when I got home, and all this makeup came off on my shirt. Ew. Her fucking face makeup came off on my face. That's so gross. She is probably the lowest I've ever gone in my girl-type things. But we ain't gonna date. It's just friends with benefits. And if anyone ever found out about this, it would be just as bad as someone found out I was gay, LOL. That's mean, but she ain't the best-looking thing in the world, but oh well. Um, Everyone at school is still pretty much the same. Josh and me are still awkward in our friendship. It's all his band, I know. Patrick is a fucking queer who is annoying the hell out of me. Chad was hanging out with us, but then he turned all hard and gangsta. Now he sits with the quote-unquote popular kids. Um, and I've been, you know, that was kind of a thing in the two thousands yeah, where, you know, people would start acting hard and gangsta. I mean, there were, there was a kid named Kip in my high school. Kip winger. White. <laughs> no, it was a white kid and he would be wearing, uh, you know, FUBU and all this other shit and acting like he's a gangster rapper. It was so cringe. Yeah. It was so bad. Yeah, this kid Chad, like he wanted to be in our group so bad for for some reason. Like he just got to the point that like he really because we were kind of like the punk skateboarder musician like band crowd. Um, We definitely weren't like the nerdy kids. We were just kind of the table that did our own thing in the lunchroom. All the all the uh, clicks were broken down by the tables in the lunchroom. And Uh um we were just kind of our own. We were like like neutral. We were like Switzerland when it came to like you know we weren't like the nerds you know, but we weren't really the cool kids either. We we're just kind of in between. But then Chad decides he wants to like sit at our table, and he he literally starts acting like my friends Josh and Patrick, who were like very metrosexual at the time. I don't know if you know what that means or not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they both wore like Hollister and American Eagle, uh-huh. everything, and they listened to this preppy ass music. This got band called Copeland, which sa- it, it literally sounds like shit they would play in Hollister, and they wore the Hollister cologne, and they were just preps. And and I Hollister isn't even a big deal anymore. Well, right? It used to like, be though. It used to be that used to definitely yeah. be how a lot of guys dressed that I knew. And wasn't it like it was Hollister? There was uh, Abercrombie and Fitch, Abercrombie right? and Fitch, Air. Apostle, American Eagle. Those were all the preppy places that my friends would go, but Hollister was like the big one. And then, um, what was that store? Urban uh, Outfitters. Urban Outfitters. That one became a big one too. That one's still around. Yeah, that one's still around. That one came a little bit later on. But anyway, um, so Chad like started dressing like them and like he used to talk like, a certain way and then he's so we got a single white female situation here <laughs> yeah he totally changed and then like dude literally the next year he started like sitting with like the, the football players and shit and he started kind of like acting all like gangsta and he was wearing like, like a, a chameleon over yeah here, he started man. wearing Jesus. like camouflage hats and he started doing that like dip that chewing tobacco shit and it's probably because he he could not find an identity of his own yeah, he did. Oh, yeah, he definitely didn't fit in very well with us because he just acted. He like he didn't have his own personality to bring to the table. Yeah, you know, no pun intended. Like he just literally yeah. was being a little mini Patrick and Josh clone. And it's like everyone at our table had our own like personality. We just all happened to get along. But when you start trying to copy 
certain people to like fit in. It was just like so transparent to me. Uh, I was still friends with him, but when he started hanging out with the other people and he, his his personality changed, and I was like, nah, that's unfortunate. Uh, but anyway, well, it's like some of the friends I had until they got older and then hung out with jocks and other shit, and I was a nerd, so it was no longer cool or acceptable to be friends with me, so gotta act out yeah. in front of the other jocks and put me down and make fun of me. High school is a jungle. But anyway, I go on to say there's this German kid I've been talking to and he's really cool, but I don't think he likes me because I keep trying to talk bad German to him. I'm not too great at that. Well, yeah, of course he doesn't like you. (laughs) Dude, I annoyed the shit out of that kid. Can you imagine being in that kid's shoes? Dude, he was just, he was just here to like improve his English and like immerse himself in like American culture. And here's this annoying, loud ass (laughs) American being like, Verstehen Sie Deutsch? Kann ich mit Ihnen sprechen? And, you know, he's just like, what, what you want? I'll answer all your questions. What you want from me? And then, like, he'd say something in German that was really, like, complicated. And I'm like, uh, duh, could you say that slower? And this kid just, I know I got on his fucking nerves so bad. But anyway, um, I'm not too great at that language, but I'm trying. Somehow, whenever I would write something German to Casey in a note or something, she understood it. Go figure. But yeah, Nikki wants my wiener too, and I really want to lose more weight <laughs> since since last year. Just, let me just keep inserting. It wants my cock. Wants my wiener. Uh, since last year, I've lost 40 pounds. I'm down to 190, a solid hey. 190. See, that's why I finally started losing weight was in my last year of uh, high school because that's when, you know, that's that's what you want to do. You know, the last year, the last time you're going to see everyone, that's when I decided. Not at the beginning. No, no, I got to wait till the end. Um, I walk a few days out of the week and I'm trying to bench now every day and not eat snacks. Hopefully this will work for me. Well, everyone out there in TV land, be cheering for me. I'll need it. Goodbye and good luck. So starting to lose weight, trying to start to fix myself a bit, you know, as we see as I get older here. Um, You're thinking everybody wants your cock? Apparently. (laughs) All right. This one's from Monday, October 23rd, 2006. Now we're jumping back to that. I'm telling you, it jumps around. Well, updates. I'm trying, and I stress the word, uh, I'm trying to talk to this girl named Rachel. We've been talking on MySpace, and I don't know. I'm just seeing what happens. She could totally blow me off. Then at least I know that it couldn't have worked out. But that band still hasn't given me any word yet of if I'm in the band or not, and it's getting monotonous. I mean, geez, dude, make up your mind. Work is annoying. Guess what? I'm going to see Primus in like two weeks. Woo! I'm going all the way up to Atlanta, Georgia to see them, but it's so worth it. They are that amazing. I sound like a fag just then. Was it worth it? And was it really that amazing? It was. Yeah, I fucking love it. I still love Primus to this day. And I totally just said a politically incorrect word back then. I apologize, everybody. That was, uh, what, 17-year-old Josh? 
and then I go on to say, I miss Casey. I want to see her, but I want. I saw in a bulletin today. Now on MySpace, they had these things called bulletins, and they were basically like a post that you made that everyone could see. I saw in a bulletin today that she fucking wrecked her fucking car. What the hell? There better be a good story behind that because that is just ridiculous. She's been going through a lot of shit lately, and I want to be the person who can hold her and tell her everything is going to be okay. Ew! Gross. But Was she- that Casey again? Yeah. Dude. <laughs> I know. Oh, I know. I could not let go of that one. But she's pretty much done with me, though. She's moved on to bigger, better things. She's all, She always messes around with these stupid-ass guys who have cute faces but shitty personalities. Some people never learn. A lot and of... so... Yep. <laughs> but hey, whatever. At least I'm still alive. But I guess I'm going to go because this thing is getting stupid. Bye. Okay. Um, all right, November 19th, 2006. That band still hasn't gotten back with me yet. I don't know what their damn problems are anyway. I went trick-or-treating with my friend Stephanie Tuesday. Oh my gosh, I got a lot of candy, and I've eaten a lot of it. I feel so fat. I know I'm going to gain a little bit of weight from that, but I'll lose it again. I just can't be doing shit like this for the holidays. I, I want to still lose it, but um, yeah, I've been talking to Rachel. I hope that turns into something. I don't even remember who this Rachel person is. Oh, yeah, I leave tomorrow to go see Primus. It's going to be so sweet, and I got to work from 10 to 9.30. Uh, sucks. Long-ass shift. I got a new... Damn. Yeah. That is a long-ass yeah, shift. A, Jesus Christ. I got a new... Fuck. I got a new Kraftwerk <laughs> CD, the Trans-Europe Express. It's going to be sweet. Was it like 10 hours? Uh, uh, that's like 11 and a half, I want to say. Shit. That's an open to close... Yeah, that was fucking nuts. Okay, now it's uh, now it's jumping to Saturday, July fourteenth, two thousand seven. This will this will be the last one. Then we'll then we'll call it uh, a day. Okay, I guess I'll do an update for y'all, motherfuckers. A lot has happened since the Primus concert, girl wise. I met these two new girls. One is a Russian chick I met at Great Raps, and the other is a girl named Rebecca Callison. I think I like the Russian girl more, though. She, I know exactly who this Although girl is. Although you don't know her name. <laughs> no, her name was Vera. I still remember her. Oh, okay. Uh, she, was, did, she was cute as fuck. Yeah. Um, she's really cute, and her accent is cute, too, and I like her personality so far. That Rebecca girl, though, is too fucking hyper. She's all over the place, and I don't know. She's not my type at all. I think I might just try to get something from her. She calls me all the damn time and leaves me a lot of MySpace comments and stuff, but the Russian girl is more subtle, and I don't know, keeps me interested in her. That band I was trying to get into didn't work out at all. They wanted someone who had the quote-unquote image of what they were looking for. Fuck that shit. Didn't you get into that band later? I I did. I I guess you got into the band later. There's a part two to that. Oh, well, I want to start my own thing someday, but I don't know if that will happen. Well... 17-year-old Josh, I'm happy to tell you it will eventually happen. I want a girlfriend. I want someone special to do things with a lot and hang out with at their house a lot, and I want to learn another language really bad. That Russian girl's English is so good, and I'm just like, why can't my German be that good? Who knows? Who cares? I can't wait to spend time with Casey in January. I'm hoping we will become boyfriend and girlfriend again. I still love her. Oh, my God! Dude! I can't let it go! Jeez. 
I just hope she doesn't do anything stupid in between us hanging out. Um, Chad keeps wanting to start a band with me, but he sucks at drums, so I don't want to. I might try hanging out with Brian this Friday. I want to do something new. Work last week was a bitch. I had to work from 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. on Friday and 11 God, to damn. 10 Saturday and 12 to 7 Sunday. And I pissed Perkosh off because we were joking around and he took it seriously and he flipped out. Well, I'm feeling pointless here. I'm going to go fuck off now. See ya. I mean, at least he got some good hours. At least probably made a good amount of money. Yeah, man. He must have been in desperate need of uh, workers that that weekend because he gave me all the hours. Dude, working in the food court for that long will, like, destroy your soul. <laughs> All the fucking just ambient noise, you start hearing things yeah. that aren't really there. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. like, the, just it's kind of like working at uh, the uh, concession, concession stand at the movie theater. Yeah, and, like, just yeah. the stress of, like, you know, handling people's food and, like, lunch mm-hmm. rush and people are grumpy because they're hungry and shit. And it's just like, oh, it's too much. But yeah, anyway, that's the podcast for this fucking week. Fuck! Um, <laughs> I had to expel the last bit of my teenage angst just then. Um, if you want to uh, subscribe to us on Patreon, you can do so by going to uh, patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. That's patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. For $5 a month, you'll can, you can tell us what you want us to talk about. For $3 a month, you can uh, hear the podcast early, and for $1 a month, you get a nice digital slap on the ass and a wink from me or Mike saying good job. Uh, If you want to find us on Facebook and join our fan group, you can search Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries in in the search bar on Facebook and then go to the group section and you should pull us up. Um, you know, just answer some questions like, do you actually listen to our podcast? If you don't answer the questions, I'm not going to let you into the group. And finally, if you like me or Mike, but you like one of us more than the other, then I have a solution for you. We both have our own individual YouTube channels where we do our own separate content. Mike's YouTube channel is youtube.com slash OCP communications. That is youtube.com slash OCP communications. He's a movie guy. He talks about the cinematic adventures. Michael, his last video you did. Last video I did is I uploaded a review of Friday the 13th, the final chapter, even though it was definitely not the final chapter. Um, fairly, uh, I wouldn't say fairly, I thought it was a really good slasher, a really good film for what it was. Um, I also watched the Boondock Saints films. I will be uploading reviews of those pretty soon. Uh, and I'm going to be diving into the world of Mortal Kombat pretty soon after that. Um, because I... Rewatched uh, the '90s Mortal Kombat movies, and you last hated night. the uh, Annihilation one, eh? I, I want to annihilate the fuck <laughs> out of that movie. It's a shame because that one has more of the characters in there than the first one did. Yeah, but like, uh, fuck that movie! It's so fucking. Bad. I haven't it's embarrassing. I honestly haven't seen it since it originally. Have came you seen out. clips? No, I saw it when it came out, like in the '90s, but I haven't seen it since then, since I was a kid. So I don't remember. Uh, all anything. I gotta say is, I I I gotta apologize to my dad for <laughs> dragging him to see that in the theater and having him pay money out of his own pocket. You should write him a handwritten apology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for that steal. Yeah, steal. Saw that in the theater too with my dad. I remember I bought a steel action figure at Walmart. I thought he looked pretty cool. I would cool. say the 
best film I probably saw of my dad in '97 was Spawn, and that still isn't that great. <laughs> no, it's a good it's a good um, IP. They just mishandled it for the movie. I mean, I still I actually don't mind the movie for what it is, but it, it could have been better. I just can't. But, I mean, compared to Mortal Kombat Annihilation, it's a fucking masterpiece. Uh, the first Mortal Kombat, though, I really enjoy. I yeah. think it's a fun film, yeah. and I do not understand the hate that it gets nowadays. It's not just a good movie due to nostalgia. I've heard I, a lot I of people generally like the first one. It's the second one that yeah, everyone... but there's been like this growing hate by a lot of uh, newer, younger uh, audience members who are saying things like it's cheesy or it doesn't hold up and it's lame and blah blah and I think uh, their view of it has been tainted by Annihilation. I really do. Like, if you saw that, and you also saw the 90s film, like, I could see some people being like, well, they would look at the more, let's just say, uh, corny aspects of the 90s film, and then amplify them more than they really should be because of Annihilation. Because <laughs> of how, how unbelievably bad that movie is now you would die ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck so uh josh has a youtube channel as well it's um dancing with ghosts that's right youtube.com slash um dancing with ghosts that's also the name of my band there's no um there right <laughs> there's no um uh, Can you imagine that? Just the, the name of your channels, just um, dancing with ghosts. But yeah, I do. Mark. I do more uh, music. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. I do more. <laughs> I do more music uh, stuff on my channel. I do like little mm. reviews of of bands. Uh, cover a lot of '90s alt rock. That's kind of stuff I like. But I do. I do all kinds of stuff. I've I've done a video on fucking Billie Eilish. I've done a video on tier lists. Tier lists are getting very popular on my channel. Um, I, the last video I did was a tier list of Led Zeppelin. And uh, God knows you can't... Yeah, They're one of those bands you're not really allowed to say anything bad about. Um, because, you know, they pretty much invented classic rock radio. Um, every So, like, you can appreciate a band, you can respect them, but if, like, they're is something you don't like about the band or their work like you don't it's it's almost like the cinematic equivalent of that in some ways might be citizen kane right exactly the citizen kane oh you know you should be talking bad about that because of all that it brought to the realm of cinema in terms of shot techniques and so on and i'm like that's great i appreciate the film a lot i don't think it's the greatest film ever made and i don't think led zeppelin is the greatest band no, my Never made and, and I did air my grievances about Led Zeppelin yeah. in a video. You know, I can't stand Robert Plant's voice, that high shrieky like, "Hey, Mama said the way you move, gonna make you sweat, gonna make you move." Like, I don't like his voice is just really not my cup of tea. Uh, I hate his lyrics. His lyrics are just about like fucking and dicks and all that. Meanwhile, you got like one of the world's greatest rhythm sections in John Paul Jones and John Bottom back there, and you got the 
this guitar riff making machine and Jimmy Page yeah. producing this amazing music and then you're just singing the stupidest shit over it. Um, that's now it's not that way on all their songs. Um, like Stairway to Heaven has some really good lyrics, but you know, who knows if they stole that or originally wrote it? They stole so much shit in their career. Dazed and Confused is only the tip of that iceberg because I know that's become the most popular example of them stealing, but they, they've stolen a bunch of shit. So it's hard to like look at them with a f- fair lens because it's like, what. What did they actually come up with and what was lifted from an open, like some opening act, you know, that opened for them? But anyway, I go into that, that um, their catalog and I rate the albums how I see them. I mean, that's interesting because nowadays you wouldn't be able to get away with that. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, there's literally all these digital receipts all over the place showing when, how, where something happened. And it's just so easy to prove. I mean, you get people in trouble just for stealing a joke so to speak so i mean i can only imagine stealing music like entire songs that you you would get uh canceled pretty quickly if you were a band i mean even if you're a rapper and you use a sample from another song you still ha- you still have to clear that sample with whoever the artist was and that artist is going to get some kind of compensation for you using their sample in their song um, but you know, back in the early seventies, if you're Led Zeppelin and then some small little nobody, what form does, do they even have to like publicly even talk about it? You know, what you're just going to go around at your gigs going, yeah, you know, fucking bad Led Zeppelin. They stole me bloody riff and everyone's gonna be like, uh huh. Sure. They did fucking yeah. Yeah. Johnny two toes. Now get on stage for your two pence and your pint, you know? So there was really no forum for people to even address issues like that back in the day. I mean, Elvis essentially, you know, I'd say like 70% of his songs are covers, you know? Yeah. He didn't, I mean, he barely wrote any of his own music. Actually, he didn't write his own music. He had people write songs for him, and if he chose to sing them, then whoever wrote the song got a big payday, because the song would inevitably be successful. And it's just, it's this kind of shit and more that I talk about on my channel, so if any of this sounds appealing to you, then go over there and do the right thing. All right, guys, until next week, hopefully next week, we will talk to you. Um, Until then, have a good rest of your night. Goodbye. See ya.